We are continuing our series in the book of James. Uh, for those of you who are new here or a newcomer, I'm, I'm Pastor John. I'm one of the associate pastors here at this church. Uh, pastor Bruce, our senior pastor, he is away this weekend uh, doing a men's retreat in Texas. And so, um, you know, he's serving other people over there. And, uh, you know, I just want to take a moment to, I was reflecting that a little bit, you know, and, you know, he's, he's gone. And, and so one of the other pastors, you know, we're preaching in his uh, place. And I was thinking about Pastor Bruce and what the kind of man that he is. And it's, you know, when you really think about Pastor Bruce, he's a, we're so wonderfully blessed to have him because not only the way he ministers to our church, but God has made it so that he was, he's going to have a global impact, right? He's kind of a global impact kind of pastor. You know, he, he's done training sessions with other pastors. You know, he's preaching at his men retreats. You know, he's done in some other things where he's preaching around the states or, or another country. And God has just wonderfully blessed him and gifted him to do this way, not only to be our pastor here at Cross Point, but to also um, really be a pastor to others uh, around the world. And, and that's just a wonderful gift that he has. And it's a blessing as a church to not only have him as a pastor, but to able to see him do that. And I know that he's extremely thankful that he's able to go out and, and, and minister to other people and use his gifting in that way to serve the kingdom of God. And so um, it's great. Cross Point's great. Pastor Bruce is great. It's good to be here. <laughs> so uh, with that, what I want to do is I want to pray for Pastor Bruce as he's finishing up his men's retreat over in Texas and then just pray for us as we open up the word of God. Let's pray one more time. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. We thank you for this time that we we're able to gather together in corporate worship to not only sing the songs to you, <clears throat> but uh, to partake of communion and, and just to worship you, Lord, and, and to be in your word and to be in your presence and just to, to give you all that glory, Lord. And we want to pray for Pastor Bruce as he's finishing up the men's retreat over in Texas. Lord, I pray that the men over there have been blessed, um, as I'm sure they have been. Lord, I, and I just pray that you're doing a work over there uh, and that you may just grow those people and, and really just give uh, Pastor Bruce a good time. Um, Lord, we eagerly await his return um, next week. And, and Lord, we're thankful for him and just the impact that you have used him not only for this church, but just, again, just around the world, Lord. And so we're just so thankful for that. Um, we're thankful that we have him as a pastor, and we're thankful that you're using him the way that you are, Lord. Uh, now, Lord, as we open up your word in the book of James, may you continue to be with us. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. Open up Lord, everything, Lord, that we may receive um, who you are and, and just to live out that, that truth, the truth that we see this morning, all for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We will be in James chapter 3 this morning. <clears throat> James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Verses 13 to 18. And really, here James has a, really one major point that he's talking about. He's going to be talking about wisdom. And it, really this, this contrast and this comparison of heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. And <clears throat> when you think about it, you know, wisdom is kind of a, it's difficult. It can be complex. You know, what is wise, what is not wise, you know, what's foolish, what's not foolish. And it, and it can be difficult to kind of navigate through that, especially what the world is saying as con in contrast to what the, the Bible is saying. And I remember uh, uh, this was when I was engaged to my now wife, right, Kristen. When I was engaged to her, I remember we were having dinner with someone, this individual, um, Good, good, good guy, you know, uh, love him to death. And uh, we're having this, you know, we're engaged and we're talking, just having a good time, you know, just enjoying our time, enjoying our dinner together. And he then decides to be very serious for a brief moment. And he turns to Kristen and, 
and begins to ask her some not really questions, really statements, if you really think about it. And he goes, I want, let me get this straight. Let me, let me get this straight, okay? And then, you know, he's talking to her, but then he looks at me, right? And he goes, he's got no job, <laughs> right? I was, in seminary at the, I was in seminary at the time. That's why I didn't have the job, right? right? He goes, he's in school, and we don't know if he's going to finish, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. A little, little lack of confidence there, right? And, and he's got no money because he's got no job. Yeah, he repeated that, right? <laughs> and, and he was just listing all these things about, like, how I'm just not really this ideal guy that she should marry. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing here? Like, you're supposed to be on my side. You know, like, like don't tell her the truth. No, I'm just playing. But, but you know, I, I, I'm just, like, kind of curious why he's saying all this. And, and really, you know, Chris did a great job, you know, and, and she just kind of laughed it off. And, you know, and here we are married, right? <laughs> but, you know, we were thinking about that. And as we think about that, and I was telling her this story last night and everything, you know, the... The individual that was kind of making these statements to her, you know, it's because in his mind, the standard for marriage, the standard for marriage was you had to have a job, you had to have a lot of money, uh, you had to have a house, right? And, well, house before marriage, oof, right? I was 24 when I proposed to Kristen. Uh, it's very difficult at this time to have that, to have that right? Um, and, you know, and uh, just all these standards that I had to meet. And, if I, and since I didn't meet them, I was just not an ideal Husband. I couldn't be. There was no possible way that I could be a husband. But there was no consideration of, you know, spiritual maturity, faith in Christ, right? You know, some of the characteristics of, you know, being generous and wanting to serve people. And that's not to say I had any of that, you know. <laughs> I don't know about spiritually mature when she married me. I hope she said yes, but, you know, um, she's kind of, I can see her right now. She's kind of smiling and saying, no. no I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, and, and, you know, but, but again, when we think about that, right, that, you know, that wasn't a consideration. That was second, third, fourth, fifth. I don't even know if he was considering any of that stuff. Because it's all about the job, the money, the house, all these objective, quote-unquote, objective things. And really, you know, again, I'm not saying that that's all unwise or anything like that, right? But when you look at the world and, and, and you know, the standards of what they say and the standards of what the Bible is saying, what they think is important, what we think is important, it doesn't always match, right? It doesn't always match. In fact, it doesn't match a lot of the times. And then what's considered wise to the world and actually looks like a good idea. Some of you might be thinking, well, you, you didn't have a job and you're in school and what are you doing getting married? Some of you might be even thinking that. But then we have to consider, well, okay, but while that may be true, like, does that mean we shouldn't get married? And, you know, is that a bad thing to do? And, you know, and again, this is not a marriage talk here, okay? <laughs> not kind of making necessarily making any of those statements. But we have to begin to... Consider, well, what's, what's godly wisdom? What's godly wisdom? It doesn't always look like the world. And again, it doesn't, usually doesn't look like the world. And we have to be able to discern between those two things. And really, that's what James is going to be talking about here. Big picture, he's going to talk about wisdom. He's going to compare the heavenly wisdom to the earthly wisdom and what we need to seek after, what we need to pursue after, what we need to become. Right? And just to kind of give you guys a little roadmap. To hang your thoughts on as we go through the text this morning, right, we'll see three things. We can see the mark of a wise person, false wisdom versus true wisdom, and finally, living out heavenly wisdom. So with all that said, the first, the mark of a wise person, the mark of a wise person. Let me go ahead and read verse 13 for us. <clears throat> Again, this is James chapter 3, verse 13. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, in the passage before, James was specifically talking about teachers and the tongue, right? The tongue and the teachers. And really, in, this, in that passage, verses 1 to 12, James was doing two different things. One, he was making it very clear that teachers, specifically people who were public figures, who taught the word of God, but also, as Pastor Bruce mentioned last week, it also broadly kind of was anybody who proclaimed the word of God, anybody who spoke the word of God to even just one other person, anybody who teaches in that sense, we're all to examine our words. We ought to be, we're to be careful with our words because we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged stricter with the things that we say. Right? But the second thing that James was doing as he talked about the tongue and, and teachers and all that stuff is he was setting up for us to have a reflection question. He was setting up for us to, to ask in our own minds, in our own hearts. Like, yes, the tongue can make a huge impact. The words you speak can be one of blessing to someone. It can speak the words of God. It can proclaim the gospel to others. Or it can be cursing to others. Your words can destroy people's hearts. Your words can teach false truth. Your words can lead people away from God rather than to God. And as you consider all that, right, and you're, you're thinking about those situations, you're like, man, the word has such importance. It, it, can, it can bring so much power with it. Uh, you know, it, it's going to cause you to think what verse 13 says. It's going to go, who is wise? Who is wise and understanding enough to have the right words, to know what to say and when to say it? And both the difficult situations or when there's a gospel opportunity or someone's hurting and you, and, you need a, and you want to speak truth to them or someone is in sin and you need to know what to say to them. Who is wise and understanding enough to know what to say given the fact that words have profound impact? And so James uses this idea of speech, this specific idea of speech to then launch off and just to, again, a general question, who is wise? Right, because the wise person will know what to say. The wise person will use the right words in that specific area. But now, but now in this our passage, James wants to move in a general direction. He wants to just look at our lives as a whole and to ask the question: who is wise? Who has understanding? Now, James quickly asserts for us, before we have any chance to perhaps answer that question or raise our hands or think in our minds it's me, he quickly says, well, this is how you know. This is how you know if someone's wise or not. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The mark of a wise person is simply how he or she lives their lives on a daily basis. Now let me expand on that a bit because this, it's important to understand what James is doing is he's connecting wisdom and action. He's connecting heavenly wisdom with how you live your life, not just this morning, not just this hour, but every single minute of your life. All the decisions that you make, all the words that you speak, all the actions that you do is connected with wisdom or lack thereof. 
And so he says in this connection, this is how you know someone is wise and has understanding, by his good conduct. Well, what does that mean? What is this good conduct? Very simply, good conduct here refers to an act that reflects what is stated in the word of God. In other words, good conduct is obedience to God's word. Simple as you can get. It's obedience to God's words. Let me, be, let me try to be as clear as I can be here. If your actions are not in accordance with God's word, if you are doing the opposite of what God is commanding you to do, that is not good conduct. That is sinful conduct. And ultimately will show you to be unwise and a fool rather than wise. Right? But this understanding often gets confused because what the Bible will say is bad. What the Bible will say is sinful conduct. The world will call it good conduct. Right? And James is going to get into this in the next few verses. He's going to really compare this earthly and heavenly wisdom. But suffice it to say now, just because the world deems an action good, or in your mind you think something is good, or your friends say something is good, or just your, your circle says, hey, yeah, this is okay, go ahead and do it. That does not mean that that action is good. It needs to be compared to the Word of God. It needs to be filtered through Scripture, and then it can be determined good. Right? And so just to kind of put that in your mind, it, it, just because the world says it doesn't mean anything. But also observe, again, and I've kind of been hammering this home already, and it's just so important to see this, right? Wisdom is connected with action. Wisdom is not simply knowledge. It is not simply, oh, I know what the Word of God says. Or I can repeat the verses, and I can recite the verses, or whatever it may be. It is not simply knowledge. It's a part of it. You have to know the Word of God, right? It's a part of it, but it has to move beyond that. It has to move into action. Your knowledge needs to transform your heart and your minds, that it transforms your life. And then you live for him. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, Pastor Bruce has been doing a, a hermeneutics uh, class on Wednesday nights, and I was able to kind of sub for it for a couple of times because he's been away. And in one of the lessons, in the application lesson, uh, the, the author of this book basically says, like, you know, one of the kind of like false applications, one of the... The, what we think, when we think we're applying what we're really not, is that we uh, like to think that application of the Word of God is equal to interpreting the Word of God. And what he means by that is, you know, we, we sit, we read the Word of God, we meditate upon it, we go, oh man, that's great truth, that's a great promise I need to hold on to. You come to Sunday morning, you listen to a sermon, you're like, oh pastor, that's a great truth. Oh man, I needed to hear that truth, pastor. Oh, that promise, man, I need to hold on to that promise. I need to cling on to that promise. Oh, that was convicting. And all that stuff. And, and you hear this. You hear all of that. You, rather you read it, you hear it, and you see the truth, and you acknowledge the truth. And you view the truth correctly. But then nothing happens after that. A lot of people think just because they affirm the truth and can say amen to what's being preached or what they're reading, that they've applied the word of God. And this author's like, no, 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 no. That's not application at all. Like, you, you didn't even crack the surface. That's just where it starts. It needs to transform the life. It has to transform the life. And if, it, if I can be, again, clear, if it doesn't transform the life, then your life is one of foolishness, not wise. And so, 
he makes these observations. James is saying all these things. True, genuine wisdom, a wisdom from the perspective of God, is intricately connected and interwoven with obedience to God's word. Now, this, conduct, this good conduct must be understood, as James says, as he continues, right? James says, this good conduct must be understood in the meekness of wisdom. What James is saying here is that you have to understand when you do do good conduct, when you are wise, when you know the word of God and you've allowed that to transform your life and you are living a transformed life, when you have all that and you're performing that good conduct, obedience to God's word, you must understand and you must know that the only way you can do that, the only reason you have that wisdom is because of God. It is God in his grace that has revealed his son, Jesus Christ, to you. It is God in his grace that you have received the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide you, to help lead you, to obey the word of God and have good conduct. In other words, you will have no wisdom. No one will have any wisdom. I will have no wisdom. You will have no wisdom unless it is because of God. Our wisdom, our good conduct Anything that we do that's in step with the word of God and obedience to him is completely and solely 100% because of God and his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's it. When we take that away, when, we don't, when we're not that meek in that sense, when we're not humble in that sense, and we think, hey, man, I'm smart. I know the word of God. I've experienced life. I know what to do. I know how to live. And you then think that it's your wisdom that's helping you live this life. Ironically, you've made yourself the fool when you do that. You've made yourself the fool when you, have, when you think you are the source of your own wisdom. We must always acknowledge God and we must always be humble before him in, in, in a, a prostrate manner. Just to, It's all you, God, and not of me. Everything that I do, my obedience, is because of your grace. So the mark of a wise person is by his actions and the attitude of his actions. Right? That's how we know who's wise, by his actions and the attitude of his actions. You know, um, there's, a, there's a few things in my life that I love. Top five. Obviously, I have God and Christ, right? That's, that's number one. Wife, kids, right? And, and really, this is probably number four. Uh, but one of the things that I love the most in life, with all my heart, uh, I, I can't live without it. It's near and dear to me, is, um, is snacks. I absolutely love snacks. I know. I'm a, very, I'm a simple man. <laughs> right? I love snacks, especially chips. Like, I just love chips. And I'm just thinking about it. I love, like, the, the jalapeno cheddar Cheeto chips. I had some of that last night. It was super good, right? Uh, salt and vinegar, any brand, by the way. If it's salt and vinegar, any brand, whew, that's, my, that's my jam right there. Uh, and, you know, I really enjoy when it first came out, the loaded bacon and cheddar chip uh, cheese chips. You know, the ruffles. Oh, man. Ah, I got to buy some when I leave here. You know, I just... just I can go on and on about the multiple brands and types of chips that I can eat. It's just, I love them. And, um, you know, what I, and I've been doing this for quite some time now. And what I do a lot is I'll grab a bag of chips, 
late at night, you know, pretty late, 10, 10.30, 11, and I'll, open, I'll crack open that bag of chips, and I'll just, you know, eat one chip, and one becomes two, and two becomes 10, and 10 is the rest of the bag. Like, literally, just, just the whole bag is eaten in one night. And I'm not talking about the $1 bag of chips that you may be getting the vending machines. I'm talking about the grocery store, you know, the 4 or $5, like the big bags, you know, you know family packs sometimes, you know. And I, just, I can inhale that thing like none other in 30 minutes because, you know, I just, it's just so good. Top five, guys, top five <laughs> things that I love, right? And sometimes, you know, and, and here's the thing. When I eat this afterwards, I kind of regret it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm bloated. You know, I, I, I lie down in bed and I can feel the chips moving in my stomach. You know, I, I, I can't fall asleep, you know, and it's taken me a while. I finally fall asleep. I wake up and I just feel terrible. Like, yeah, it's like, what am I, what did I do? Right, and I, I, but I keep on doing it. You know, and, and, you know, every time, you know, I, I open the bag of chips, my wife, she's so, she's so wise. You know, she's so wise. She looks at me, right, and I, as I open the bag of chips, she goes, and she says, every time, don't you eat that whole bag. <laughs> don't you eat that whole bag. It's the wisest words I could ever hear because she knows what's going to happen when I eat the entire bag. Um, unfortunately, I don't ever listen to her wisdom, <laughs> and I still do it. And so she's gotten wiser, and now what she does is she goes out and she buys a variety pack. Those little balls that, you know, the, the, and that's, you know, so I eat one and I, I won't go get another one. So she portions out my chips throughout the whole month <laughs> uh, and I eat it. <laughs> that's what she does. She's a lot wiser than me. Now, if you were sitting here and you're going, man, you know, should I eat this huge bag of Doritos or this huge bag of Lay's or this Cheetos? You know, should I just eat this bag of chips at 11 o'clock, you know, and, and, and just eat it all? I'd be the last person you ask. Because if you ask me, I'll be like, oh, of course, go ahead and do it. Live up a little. Just work out a little bit more after, you know. <laughs> you know I, I give whatever excuse that I could give for you to do that. Because to me, I mean, I still do it, right? <laughs> it's, it's great. You would not ask me for any wisdom in this manner because you can tell by my actions what you're going to get and you don't want to follow that. It's not good for the body. It's just not good. Objectively, it's not good. I sit here this morning, I'm saying objectively, and I know she's going to use my own, my wife's going to use my own sermon against me. Don't you eat that whole bag of chips. You said yourself, that was foolish. <laughs> right? And, and, and so you just wouldn't look at it, right? And this is, what, this is what James is doing here. He's connecting action with wisdom. When you look at what someone does, when you look at how someone lives, that's going to let you know, man, are you really wise or not? Are you really wise or not? You're going to look at their lives and go, man, is it... Is he or she living according to God's word? Are they living in obedience? And that's going to inform you. That's going to let you know this is a wise individual. This is a wise individual because of their good conduct and the attitude of their conduct for that matter. Now James further expands and explains this wise person by providing a contrast, right? False wisdom versus true wisdom. Or as we've been saying, uh, heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. Starts in verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. 
But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James, in these few verses, is clearly contrasting a wisdom that comes from above versus the wisdom that comes from below, an earthly one. And I want you to notice that James calls both of these things, this aspect, like wisdom. Right? There's heavenly wisdom and then there's earthly wisdom. Right? And he's comparing them. He's using the word wisdom from both. And it's interesting because when you look at earthly wisdom, as I kind of mentioned a little bit before, if you, when you look at earthly wisdom, it might actually look like something that is extremely wise. It might look like something that you should do. And you might think to yourself, that's a good idea. I should do that. But then when you look at it from a heavenly perspective, because the word of God is so countercultural, so counterintuitive, than what the world may think, that what seems to be wise isn't wise at all from God's perspective, right? And so what James is doing then, right, is he's going to use a specific example, a very specific example to demonstrate a wrong conduct. This is not a comprehensive list. This is just one example of wrong conduct, bad conduct, evil, sinful conduct, whatever adjective you want to use, okay, that's opposite from good. It's this conduct, right, that's actually foolish. And then he's going to use that to show what is then wise. And he says again, right, in verse 14, the example that he uses of wrong conduct and a, and a wrong attitude is bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in the heart. This describes an individual who is bitter that he does not have what other people have. He's bitter about that. He ha- other people have things or they're in a certain place in life, and this individual is bitter that they don't have that, that they're not there. They want what others have. And so then, they, because they want what others have, they will have a selfish ambition that will then do whatever it takes to get what they want. Right? Now, obviously, this verse makes bitter jealousy and selfish ambition sound negative. It sounds extremely negative. Okay? There's no way to make that look positive when you read those verses. But this kind of thinking... Specifically, this, this ambition, this selfish ambition, is positively promoted in the world. If you have, and this is how they do it, right? If you have a passion, if you have a goal in life, right, the world will tell you, pursue that. Pursue that passion. Pursue that goal. Give it all you got. Be all in, right? And everybody around you should support you in that. If they truly love you, they'll support you in your passions and your desires and your dreams and your goals. And here's a simple example that I would kind of give with that, right? And again, this is just an example, hypothetical example here. Let's say you have a man, right, who wants to climb the corporate ladder. He wants to climb the corporate ladder. He wants to reach top management position in his company. In order to, and in, when he reaches this top management position in his company, he will receive a very hefty six-figure paycheck and have authority over many employees. And that's what he wants. But in order for him to receive this, in order for him to get to this position, he has to put in like 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks. He has to put in all the hard work to get there. And he's a family man. And so what does this mean as a family man? <clears throat> if this becomes his goal, this becomes his dream, and he puts all his energy into this, 70, 80 hours a week is a lot of energy, okay? Well, then his wife and kids become second priority, right? 
or uh, his spiritual life becomes third priority. Fellowship with the church becomes fourth priority, right? Serving the church becomes tenth priority, maybe not even fifth. And what you begin to see is that because he has this goal, because he has this dream, because he's chasing after what he believes to be something that he should have, everything else gets pushed to the side. But when you compare that, right, when you take a step back, and this is not to say that it's wrong to, to work hard. This is not to say that it's, it's wrong to, to want something and, and to, to move up in, in, in position in terms of whatever company that you may work in, right? But what is wrong, because the word of God is clearly saying, well, if you're a family man, your family's your priority. Your spiritual life is your priority. Fellowship with the church, corporate worship is a priority, and when you undo all that, when you say, I don't want to do any of this, this is, this is all later, this is, I'm not going to do it, this is my fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth priority, you follow the wisdom of the world, which is foolish and actually not wise at all. Yes, you might get the position. Yes, you may be the top manager. Yes, you may have all the authority. Yes, you may have that big paycheck. But at what cost? At the cost of obeying the Lord, at the cost of doing what God wants you to do, seeking first the kingdom of God, not your own selfish ambitions. And you begin to see just because the world says it's okay, and because they do, doesn't mean God will say it's okay. And I understand there's a lot of complexities in that. I'm just giving up an illustration, and I'm making it black and white to show that distinction right? But just because the world thinks it's wise does not mean it is. And then, you know, the world will say if they don't support you, if, people, if your family doesn't support you and your family doesn't want to be a part of that, well, they don't really love you. Well, that's not necessarily wrong either. I mean, that, that, that's, that's not necessarily right, I mean, either, right? Because, you know, if you're going in the wrong direction, the people who love you is going to try to pull you back, right? And so Jesus would not call this wisdom even though the world may call it wisdom. In fact, what Jesus calls this, what Jesus calls this, and he says it very clearly in verse 15, he says that this is earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. James is not mince words here. I remember when I first read that, that just jumped out at me. I mean, it just screamed at me. I mean, we... You know, we can talk earthly wisdom. That makes sense, right? You know, people talk about worldly wisdom, earthly wisdom. Yes, we can call it unspiritual, and that's kind of normal to us too, right? Because it's not the things of God, right? Therefore, it's unspiritual. But demonic wisdom, that's powerful. If you are living in a way, right, if if, if your decision-making process, if your actions, right, if what you do in life is not according to God's word. If you are following after the world, James is essentially saying you have demonic wisdom. You're more in line with the demons than you are with God. And that right there, that right there as we begin to ask the question, who is wise and understanding among us, that right there should really stop us in our tracks. Like, oh man, am I, am I lining up with demons more than I'm lining up with Christ? This begins to shake, shake us to our bones. All right, this begins to shake us to our bones. Man, we got to start to reflect. What are we doing here? What, 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 where, where am I at? What, what kind of wisdom do I have? Hey, it just James is not mince word here. He, he goes all out. And he makes it clear. If you are not living according to God's word, if you're not obeying his word, if your wisdom is not that, 
then you're with the demons. Man, makes you think a little, right? But he goes on. He explains. He doesn't back down. He, he explains why he says this, why he can use these adjectives to an extent to explain what kind of earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom is. He says in verse 15, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, right, the, the like one example that he's using to demonstrate bad conduct, to demonstrate what is foolishness, right, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. In other words, when you cover what other people have, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to obtain those things, right? When you live according to the wisdom of the world, the earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, that will manifest itself in sin. And you will sin in every possible way because you're going to follow the wisdom of the world. You're going to follow demonic wisdom. And I know we don't really, we're not used to that kind of language, you know, even, even just up here, as I, as, I, as I say it out loud and as I prepare them, we don't use that kind of language, but we have to understand, right, this, there will be disorder in every vile practice. I mean, that, that's just saying you're going to sin. You're going to sin. If you have foolish wisdom, that foolish wisdom is going to lead to bad conduct, which is equivalent to sinning, disobeying God's word, living away from him, and not following after Christ. And that's like the demons. It's like the demons. And it, it just, again, man, I, it just stops us in our tracks. Right? We don't want that. We don't want that. And so James contrasts. He contrasts then, okay, that's earthly wisdom. That's the wisdom from below. This is not what you want. That is not wise. You don't have understanding. Here's heavenly wisdom. Here's heavenly wisdom. Verse 17, right? He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is a list that specifically contrasts the bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. He's specifically contrasting this. Okay, and so he's saying rather than seek your own desires, you are pure and have a heart that seeks the things of God. Right? Thus, when you're interacting with people, rather than you know, wanting what they want and, and, and doing whatever it means, to get what you want, like destroying relationships or whatever it may be, right, you're going you're gonna to be peaceable. You're going to be gentle. You're going to be open to reason, full of mercy. You're going to be bearing good fruits because of your heart that seeks after God. You're going to seek no favoritism, thus you are impartial. And in all that you do, you are sincere. And there's so much more to the list of what is heavenly wisdom. Again, this is just a contrast to the bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. But you begin to see, okay, well, good conduct is, is again, obeying God's word. It's, it's loving one another. It's humbling ourselves before each other. It's seeking the good and best for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? This, this person who, who seeks after heavenly wisdom will be rewarded with reaping his rewards in complete peace, as verse 18 says. Right? The big picture here. The big picture and wider implication that, that James is trying to show is that wisdom from below is of the world. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. And that is not the wisdom that you want. That kind of conduct of the world is not good conduct. That is not the mark of a wise person. But in fact, we need to 
look at someone who is living according to God's word, is obeying God's word, and that is the mark of someone who is wise, right? And so again, we, we kind of step back and we ask that bigger question, that big question at the, at the beginning to the reflection of our own hearts where we consider ourselves before God, right? Who among us, who among us is wise and understanding? Who has wisdom? Well, we know by their good conduct, by their good conduct and the attitude they have with that. And so as we kind of wrap up the sermon, as we kind of just kind of get to the end here, right, we can't just stay with the knowledge. We can't just look at that passage and go, okay, that's great. That's earthly wisdom. This is heavenly wisdom. And this is the contrast. No, we need to be able to make sure we walk out with that wisdom. We need to be able to make sure we walk out, how do we apply this? How do I, how do I live a wise life? And so finally we'll look at just living out heavenly wisdom. And I just want to kind of point out just four simple, you know, you can do today and you can walk out and continue to do the rest of our lives, right? Because wisdom isn't just one day. It's, it's all day until Jesus returns or Jesus takes us home, right? Just four things to consider, four things to try to apply to your life, not only this morning, but in all the days to come, first and foremost, first and foremost, right, is that we, are, we must understand wisdom comes from Scripture. Wisdom comes from Scripture. I said before, right, knowledge isn't everything, but it is something. Knowledge isn't everything, but it is something. What that means is you cannot know how to live a wise life without knowing the Word of God. Right? You can't know what you shouldn't do if you don't know what the Bible says, don't do. You don't, and positively, you don't know how you should live in a positive manner if you don't know what the Bible says, what you should do in a positive manner. Right? We need to know the word of God. We need to meditate upon the word of God. We need to soak in the scripture just all the days of our lives. Okay? Um, we need to just read it. And, and again, I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, I know the stories. I can tell you what Genesis 1 is about. I can talk to you about, like, you know, the, the, the Passover or what happened in Exodus. And it's not just simply knowing stories, but it's really just reading uh, and, and understanding the Word of God, understanding the gospel and all the implications of it, and letting that resonate in your hearts to transform your life. It's, you got you to know the Word before you can live the Word. Got to know the Word before you can live the Word. Okay? Secondly, in kind of in conjunction with knowing the Word, Sit down, take, take time, whether today or this week, take time, sit down, have the Bible in hand, maybe with a piece of paper and pencil, however you want to do it, maybe a journal, if you're a journaler, do that, and analyze the decisions you've made in life, recent ones, okay, let's not look at the past, right, you know, but let's just move forward, right, recent ones, the decisions that you've made in life, okay, maybe some of the goals that you currently have, maybe there's some of the things that you're currently doing and engaging in and go, okay, is that wise? Does this match up with the word of God? You got to do that every once in a while because you know what? If you're like me, we all think we're smart, right? I think I'm, I think I'm extremely smart. And my wife is the first person to tell me, you're not that wise, you know? And she's right. I'm not. And I need to, st- I need to, step-, I need to step back and I need to make sure that all the things that I do, all the things that I consider, all my actions that I, you know, the words that I speak, the actions that I do, the goals that I have, uh, the future that I want for myself or my, my family, everything, I got to make sure that is in line with Scripture. And I need to, every once in a while, take inventory, compare and contrast. Like, is, 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 it, is it there? Is my life there with the Word of God? Third, and this one might take some time to find, uh, but begin the search today, is 
Seek accountability. Now you might think, oh, what does accountability have to do with wisdom? Well, it has a lot to do with wisdom. And here's the thing, right? We're all going to be foolish. We're all going to be foolish. We will make foolish decisions. We will live foolishly because we're sinners. We will sin. We will do things that are not in conjunction with God's word, and we will disobey him. And we need someone who, who has that good conduct, who is wise, to look into our lives and go, hey, man, like, what are you doing? We need that accountability. We're not meant to live our Christian lives alone. We're meant to live it in community, and we need those people in our lives to, to essentially call us out when we need to be called out, right? And, and lovingly and compassionately, of course, but to do so because we are not wise. We're not on our own. We're not. It's only with God's grace that we are, and so we need that accountability. And finally, finally, seek discipleship. Seek discipleship. And when I say this, I don't mean just to the, the kids. I don't mean just to the youth or the high schoolers or the college or the young adult. I mean everybody. doesn't matter what age you are. Seek discipleship. Right? Because what Titus 2 talks about just people who are, having, who are spiritually mature over you just to help you live life, help you make those decisions, help you to be wise. Right? Help you to live life in accordance to God's word. So we seek discipleship that we may then live a wise life and continue to live a wise life all the days of our lives. Again, this is just four simple things to kind of look into our life and take spiritual inventory and, and to really consider in today and in the weeks to come. Right? But again, the big picture, the big question, the big reflection question that we need to ask ourselves this morning, and we, we should answer it as we walk out, is who is wise in understanding among us? Am I that wise person? Do I live a wise life? Am I living in a way that is garnering and glorifying to God? Do I have that good conduct? And we let the Lord, and just open your heart and mind to the Lord that he may work in your life to show you and to continue to help you grow in that manner. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. We thank you for this time, Lord, that we're able just to be in your word and to really just ask this question, am I wise do I have understanding? Do I live a, way, live a life that is in accordance with God's word? Am I being obedient? And to really let that challenge us. You know, am, I living, am I living according to the world? Do I have this earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom, or do I have heavenly wisdom? I pray, Lord, that you do a mighty work in our hearts, that you challenge us, that you shake us to our core, that you make us consider where we've been foolish, that we may repent, lean upon you and your grace, that we may be wise, and that we may live wisely all for your glory, that, you may, your, that your name may be praised and your name may be glorified. We pray that you work in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Love you guys. Have a great week.